my view on that is, you know, everyone wants to see a more exciting sport in pickleball for sure. Right. At the same time, the court is small and most people play doubles. At that point, it sort of becomes a dangerous sport. And then you start to wonder if the growth of the sport is going to be maintained. I think the biggest growth factor for pickleball is the accessibility of the sport for all players. Hi, I'm Crystal Brown, and we caught up with Josh Kim, the founder of Spartus Pickleball Paddles. He just launched his brand new paddle, the Centurion, and the Ballista 2 to keep up with the fast pace of the power we're seeing on the courts. He shares how he designed these paddles in-house and what he'll be launching in the near future. Okay, now to the show. Welcome to Simply Pickleball, the podcast where we discuss all things pickleball, the fastest growing sport in America and around the world. We are interviewing the founders, industry leaders, athletes, lovers of the sport that are driving the spectacular growth. If you love pickleball as much as we do, listen in. Josh, Kim, so excited to have you back on the show. Uh, you were actually our very first interview um, and a lot has happened since then. But for all of the listeners that haven't yet met you, um, don't know much about your paddles or maybe people that know tons about your paddles, uh, maybe you could just start with a little bit, kind of take us back to why you started this company to begin with. Um, and then we can quickly jump into what's what's happening now. Yeah, sure. Of course, thanks for having me back on your podcast. I was really excited to be on the first one. Yes. And it's um, really exciting to see your channel growing so fast. Very, very excited to be back again. I love to talk about um, Spartus and how we started and why we started. You know, today we've almost been launched for about 10 months now. Um, we launched our sales back uh, in February of this year. And the motto of our company is maximum performance at maximum value. We started out with the original Gladius. This is way back when, if you're familiar with like when the time period when CRBNs were popular, Engage MX 6.0 was popular. That's sort of around when we launched Spartus and the original Gladius, um, which I have here, I think this is pretty popular in the Bay Area right now, uh, was yeah. in the Bay Area. This one is considered a generation one paddle. To get a little technical, it's basically just a unibody paddle where all the layers of the paddle go from top to bottom and it increases durability. That was sort of the tech that was popular back when I first started thinking about the company, which was around July of 2022. And then... Got the Gladius built out and launched for sale the 1st of February. And since then, we've launched a few more paddles, pushed the tech beyond the original Gladius. And most recently, we just launched the new Gladius, which is the Gladius Centurion. And this one is um, a Generation 2 paddle. And what that does, it adds foam around the perimeter. So it increases the sweet spot and power. And also, it's hot pressed. So the whole paddle is put into a CMC mold. And heat is applied to it for about 20 minutes at a very high temperature. And what that does is it increases the power of the paddle. Um, so this one uh, we're really excited about because it's actually incredible value to the consumer. Yeah. It's only $90 after all the discount codes going around. <laughs> but you can get this. Base. This is the same tech as the Perseus or the CRBN1X, but it's at the same price as the Vatic uh, Prism, which is Probably one of the most popular beginner paddles or starter paddles out there right now. Yeah, we've spoke with him as well, Daryl Wang. And I hope everyone will subscribe to this channel and also check out all the links and we'll have the discount codes you mentioned. So, okay, so we've got a lot to talk about because I want to get into all of those paddles. When you launched, what did you see was the problem in the market and how did you come up with that first paddle? Yeah, you know, back then, I think the market was a little less saturated than it is now. Things have changed a lot since February. Obviously, it's great to see the sport booming and just players just coming in left and right. Um, but 
The playing field back then, I think, left room open for people and companies that were very in tune with lowering the prices. I have a really different philosophy around pickleball paddles than a lot of the other companies and some players, especially ones who are familiar with or used to play tennis. And I come from a tennis background myself. A lot of the companies right now are sort of thinking of paddles as a premium product. And yes, technology will make things premium. However, uh, my core belief is that pickleball paddles are still a consumable, unlike tennis rackets. Core reason behind that is tennis rackets, you replace the strings. There's a lot of tech in the strings as well, not just the frame itself. Um, and you replace the strings, you pay for the strings and the restringing fee, and then you basically have a new bracket there. How much does that cost about? Okay. Sure. Uh, you can get like, you know, one of the high-end Wilson, you know, 95s for like, you know, $250, uh, which is the same price as, you know, the Perseus. And then every so often you'll restring it. Strings can cost anywhere from $10 to $50, depending on the type of string you want. Okay. A lot of them come with free stringing. If you, you know, have to pay for it, it's usually about $20. So, you know, depending on how much you want to pay for the strings, you're basically paying, you know, maybe $20, $30 for restringing. Right. Um, Whereas for pickleball paddles, you know, anyone who's played will tell you the grit wears off eventually. And the core also starts to compress, you know, wear out. And once those things happen, you need to replace the entire paddle. So in my view, when you're charging, you know, basically the same prices for pickleball paddles as these high-end tennis rackets, it's not really an apples-to-apple comparison given that tennis rackets are not consumables. And right. My belief is tennis pickleball paddles are consumables. And that's sort of the philosophy driving our company um, at Spartus. So back then, you know, there was room to drive the prices down for the Generation 1 paddles because they were selling, you know, just unibody paddles or some of them were not even unibody paddles or $200. Um, and that's where the Gladius slotted in. These days, the tech has been pushed. We had a lot of the, you know, we had the Generation 2 wave that happened in the 10 months since Spartus launched. So you saw the rise of like Legacy, you know, Six Zero, Vatic, Pro, you know, those companies with the hot molded paddles, which the Gladius and Turin is also. And these days, it's a lot harder for companies to come in just, you know, to try to lower prices because one of the things new companies probably do is that they use a broker to contact factories and they go through Alibaba, which is why you see a lot of the paddles look exactly the same as each other, except for the branding on the face. So can you just just describe that a little bit? So I've talked about this on a couple other episodes, but just to go deep into it. So most of the paddles are being manufactured abroad in China. And Mm -hmm. then in order to find that manufacturing plant or whoever's going to manufacture them, you really need a broker or most people use a broker and that's someone who can make sure you can communicate with the factory. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Not exactly. So most companies go to Alibaba and a lot of these entities on Alibaba uh, sort of, they don't explicitly say it, although some of them do, but they claim to be the factory or appear to be a factory directly. However, they're actually just another entity that has close relationships with one or two factories and they already have catalogs of paddles. They basically, they'll show you the catalog and I can provide a few examples <laughs> and you'll see a lot of the familiar paddles on those catalogs and they just say, hey, what's your brand? We'll slap the logo on and manufacture this for you. I would say 95% plus of all the brands out there use this method. The other method is um, what we do, which is we have direct relationships with our factories. We surveyed, we went there physically and sampled many of the factories until we settled on a few. Uh, We do all of our engineering and design work in-house. We don't let the factory do 
engineering for us at all. And then basically the relationship that Spartus has with our factory partners is basically what Apple has with Foxconn, which is Apple does all of the engineering and design work and Foxconn merely puts it together for them. And that's only done for cost reasons, you know, for obvious reasons. If we built them out in the States, you know, the production costs would be way higher and we're trying to sell these at an affordable cost to the consumer. So you basically like cut out that middle man and, and taking it, take the responsibility for the engineering. And how did you then, how did you know then what to do? How did you figure out exactly how you wanted to engineer them or tell the factory specifically what to do? I mean, that's really, like I said, kind of cutting out the middleman and all of this going direct to the factory. That's great to know that you're doing that. Yeah. You know, um, myself and another member of the team both have engineering backgrounds. I had a biomedical engineering background, which combines almost every uh, engineering discipline together. And after college, I was a lawyer in uh, IP law. So very familiar with a lot of R&D practices and material sciences because I spent many years um, in that field. With that said, a lot of the stuff being built around pickleball paddles isn't the highest tech possible. You know, we're still working with uh, material science. There is a baseline level of, you know, experience I had, at least in, you know, tangential fields that help me build out our foundation around our engineering process. Um, and we just built upon that. Once we got, you know, good solid foundation on our engineering process, you know, we've been iterating on them, uh, sending them out to local pros, play testing them, and then eventually getting production models out. For example, the Ballista, which is uh, the model that we launched a couple months ago. This one, we had 20 iterations. Have that on. one here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So this one, you know, again, the factory didn't touch the engineering of this. We did all of it. We had the cost molds built out for almost every iteration. Again, it was iteration 20 that we actually put into production. Wow. Uh, so that was a very long process. Also filed for two patents on it, which are pending, which also cover some of the new uh, paddle ideas that we have coming up as well. What did you learn between the first one and the ballista and then maybe the ballista and your Centurion? What have you learned so far about what the market wants and what the paddles provide? Yeah, you know, so the ballista is really tuned for the players who like to get into engage in like uh, hands battles. It's one of the fastest paddles in the market. At 16 millimeters, it is the fastest thermoform paddle right now. Uh, there's no uh, paddle that's faster than this at that thickness. When we play tested this, the play testers all had that play style. They love to rush a net. They love to put the ball away at the net. They speed it up really quickly. The points are actually quite fast mm-hmm. for them. I think the masses tend to uh, not play at, in that play style. I think when you look at most uh, 2.0, even up to 3.5 players, um, many of them like to stick around the baseline longer. So power is definitely a bigger um component to their game. Power generation is not a strong suit, I think. So that's sort of where the Gladius Centurion comes into play. It has a lot, it packs much more punch than the Ballista. The reason we brought launched the Gladius Centurion first before any of the other pedals in the pipeline was precisely because of that, that learning we found. That the Ballista, while it's popular, I think it, this play style is for sort of the more advanced players. Like the fire, the big firefights, getting up at the, you know, getting up at the kitchen line and just powering it out. Right, right. Like one of our local pros, Oliver Seifert, he loves to play that way. Um, You'll see him put away points really quickly after that. And he's not hanging around the baseline that often. Right. And then the Gladys Centurion, this one, um, at least locally in the Bay Area, every, you know, recreational player that's put their hands on it so far loved it. You know, they're just punching it from the baseline, love the power. 
And obviously the cost is unbeatable right now. So yeah, can you describe that paddle a little bit better? I, I know it's relatively new, so I haven't played with it yet. Yeah, I'll be happy to send you guys a unit for you guys. <laughs> you know, we'll t- we are total paddle collectors. Yeah, <laughs> we I'm like sure, them I'm all sure you have a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this one, the play profile is, it has a lot more power um, in the shots. Um, it bounces off, it pops off the face way quicker. Similar spin, 1900 plus RPMs. There's a slight hit on this control and also the swing rate. So Ballista has a 110 swing rate. It's really, really maneuverable. Yeah. You know, it feels effortless to sort of move it at the net. However, on the Gladys Centurion, it is really fast for an elongated paddle. It's 5.5-inch uh, handle length. It's one of the fastest paddles of this size and shape. Um, it is a tad bit slower than the Ballista, but it's still very, very maneuverable and, yeah. and it just has more power. Different play styles, you know, there's different paddles to suit your play style. Right. And, and it's still thermoformed and then you're saying it has foam injected edges. And you said the Ballista doesn't have, like it doesn't have the edge guard that the Centurion does, correct? Right. And we compensate for that by putting the foam and lead tape along the perimeter. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think most people are playing with lead tape, which we can get into as well. But so you're saying that what you found from the first generation, you know, the tech's evolving. Where do you see the tech continuing to evolve? Because I've talked about this on a couple of the episodes, that, or at least some of the paddle manufacturers feel like there's room to keep improving the paddle. And I'm curious what you've learned so far about what people want and what different materials, you know, again, you have a background in that. Just curious what you're learning. Yeah, you know, I actually had a really interesting conversation with a guy named Max DePhillips. Some of the viewers may be familiar with that name. He's uh, pretty popular in um, the Pickleball Studio Discord. Mm-hmm. And he, he brought up something pretty interesting, at least in my view. And his comment was that this year, in 2023, most of the companies converged on thermoforming, Gen 2. Everyone converged on that. Now that that became a standard, every company, in his view, for 2024 is going to start to figure out ways to differentiate themselves again. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's, I think he made a pretty um, valid comment. I don't know if that's how it's going to play. I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. We certainly tried and are continuing to try something new with the Ballista. We have a few more paddles in the pipeline. One of the things I do think is going to be a move is lowering the swing rate. Um, I think a lot of the companies have picked up on the idea that players want more maneuverability uh, while maintaining power and control. So faster and quicker paddles. So there's a few ways to get that done. Um, we're seeing, you know, even like 6-0 come out with their Infinity S, you know, a faster paddle than the, their flagship double black diamond, um, the gearboxes, the new ones. Right. You know, they're also way faster than the normal Gen 2 paddles and so forth. So, Do you think that's because uh, the game is changing and that you have you know younger people coming into the game, tennis players coming into the game, and that the paddles that were needed for you know, the game before that. So when maybe there were more octogenarians playing or, you know, now it's more youthful. And that means that the paddles need to keep up with the ability that's out there now. And that's a really good point, because that's probably 90 percent of the reason, to be frank. A lot of the comments you get from pros is that the balls are faster, like Durafast. And some of the new balls coming out are faster than the Franklin next sub 40. Um, so even from a ball perspective, the balls do travel faster. You can definitely imagine that the younger player base put much more pace on the balls. And then you got paddles that, you know, you don't know if they're going to you know, remain legal, like the gearbox, which packs so much punch. Um, so there are comments coming up left and right about 
um, needing quicker paddles because it's just too hard to get to the ball fast enough or move the paddle to the ball fast enough right. uh, with these shots coming up. So the meta has changed without a doubt. Will it stay? We don't know. Um, that's up <laughs> to the USAP to decide. But It's a good point, actually. It came up on the courts last night that someone said, do you think the gearbox is going to stay legal? Is it constructed differently and differently than you plan to do? Like what's making it questionable. The construction of it is different from every other company. And that's because Gearbox has at least two patents around the core technology. I can't say for certain where that tech came from. It's been a while since I read Raphael's patents, but I do believe when I did read them, the application was for skateboards and they were translated over to uh Paddle sports. I may be wrong on this. My memory might be failing me, but that's yeah, what I remember. I don't expect you to be an expert, but I'm just more curious about, you know, is, you know, that what is it about that paddle that's questionable in terms of like, is it what it's doing? Uh, you know, how fast the ball is going? Is that kind of what they're concerned about? Yeah, the you know, from everything I've heard about their new paddles, uh, the balls are traveling way faster than most other paddles. There was a huge, I wouldn't say controversy, but several months ago during the summer, there were foam paddles coming out. If you remember, like the Diadem Vice, and those are packing punches like crazy. And the gearboxes apparently are, you know, delivering similar speeds as that. And my view on that is, you know, everyone wants to see a more exciting sport in pickleball for sure. Right. At the same time, the court is small and it's meant to play. Most people play doubles. At that point, it sort of becomes a dangerous sport. And then you start to wonder if the growth of the sport is going to be maintained. I think the biggest growth factor for pickleball is the accessibility of the sport for all players. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that the US, USA Pickleball has a incentive to keep that structure in place, um, at least for the growth of the sport. Um, once you start getting into like the super powerful speeds, you know, I think that sort of um, sets up the game to become more like a tennis sport where it's like singles dominated. So, you know, that's just my personal view. Um, I'm not a pro, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know I, I think it's a really interesting subject and I think it's just come up a lot, um, you know, with the paddles around speed and about power. And, you know, if if you're at the kitchen line and you're playing a really fast game, Right. Like, you know, there's going to be people that are going to say that that game's too aggressive for me. And we, we hope that the sport grows so that everyone feels it's like accessible. But on the other hand, if there's a bunch of, you know, young 20 somethings that want to battle it out at each other, they they're going to want to paddle that can do that. And clearly <laughs> that's the direction. I'll be very surprised to see, you know, 20 year olds who want to battle it out at like 75 miles an hour at the net. That's, you know, any tennis player, you know. Right. No, you don't see that even in tennis. So, right. um, yeah, fast speeds are make things explosive for sure. Uh, I don't think anyone will want to be at the net once the ball, you know, passes yeah. that threshold. Right. So, okay. So, so back to your paddles, though. So, so what? What have you? What are you thinking about? There's a there's a whole transition going on. You've got tons more young people. You have a lot of tennis players coming into the sport. You know, how are you designing these next paddles and thinking about like? You know, again, the market is competitive, although I would say the pie is growing anyway. So there's still room for a lot of players in the space. But how are you thinking about your next iterations? Yeah, you know, honestly, um, to be frank, um, the paddles so far have been more geared towards um, the younger player base than the octogenarians. (laughs) To be frank, although we do have a lot of the... um, octogenarians as customers and they always send the sweetest messages to be frank. Oh, that's so um, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, so, you know, that was sort of the baseline um, 
I guess, you know, I sort of built paddles that I would use. Um, but the thing is, um, for one of the new paddles that we're coming out with, um, we do want to lower the swing rate even further. And that's going to help with the um, tennis elbow for or pickleball elbow for a lot of the players who suffer from that. Although that's not one of the focal points, that's going to be one of the secondary effects of what yeah. we're doing. Um, so it'll be, you know, a paddle that's, you know, sort of meant for players from 20 to 80, 90, whatever. Um, yeah, I think we focus more on, you know, the play style rather than how old you are, to be frank. <laughs> of course. Because um, I've, I've been, you know, when I go to Lewis Sutter um, during the daytime, everyone there is sort of retired, oh. you know, 60 plus, and they consistently hand it to me. Um, <laughs> so I don't think, you know, being 60 makes you a poor player. And in fact, some of them are way better than I am. Hey, pickleballers, Crystal Brown here from Simply Pickleball, the ultimate channel for everything pickleball. If you're passionate about the fastest growing sport in America, you're in the right place. We have been fortunate enough to sit down with some incredible personalities in the pickleball world, from pro players sharing their climb to winning gold, to the founders and industry leaders shaping the game. We're bringing you the inside scoop about what makes pickleball the incredible phenomenon it is today. But here's the thing, we need your support to keep the Pickleball Party going strong. Subscribing to our channel not only helps keep you in the loop with the latest news, tips, and highlights, but it also helps us to continue to produce amazing content just for you. I think there's also a, an element of patience, right? That if you can be patient, you can probably win the shot. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You got people like me that just wants to put away points and they just keep sending it back to you and then you make a mistake. So, so, you know, you're a player yourself and you're getting busier. Um, what, you know, how, how tough is it out there from a marketing perspective? Like, what are you spending time on? How are you getting your paddles known? Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, we're in the Bay Area together and there's a lot of players here, but it's blowing up everywhere. New York City's building tons of courts, um, you know, so just curious, like, where are you spending your time from a marketing perspective? Yeah, you know, just to be transparent, that's the um, that's the field I think uh, you know we're not the strongest at. Um, it's always been a personal uh, personal thing I needed to work on myself. Anyways, um, my focus is usually on operations and product. That's just where I naturally inclined yeah. towards. Um, so our marketing traditionally has mostly been done through organic um, throughout the course of our business. Um, the, our customers just keep pushing it out for us. Recently, we've had more YouTube rev reviewers um, throwing out reviews of our paddles, and then we've been testing out performance marketing. Uh, so, you know, there's been sales channels, uh, new sales channels that we've been testing out and have been growing our sales. Um, we're working on building out the marketing team, to be frank, because that's mm -hmm. just something I personally um, shouldn't be working on. No. Um, uh, so, you're the innovator. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that's something we're working on. Um, you know, when you look at a lot of other companies um, that are good at marketing, they have really nice, you know, visually clean, you know, you know social media posts um, and things like that. So, you know, we want to get there. Um, well, you're, yeah, you're yeah. an entrepreneur and starting, but, but you're selling a lot and, you know, you're busy. Are you guys feeling like, you know, you're, you know, you're shipping it out yourselves, right? You guys are still sending out the, right. the product. Right. We are actually um, going to start selling on Amazon soon too, um, mm -hmm. with the Centurion. Um, so hopefully sometime in December, it'll start, um, but TBD, maybe by latest January. That's great. That's great. So when mm -hmm. do you plan to have your next paddle out? When do you think that'll happen? Uh, probably 
couple months right now, we have two front runners um, for the next paddle. We don't know which one we'll let out first. Um, but the good news is we'll have another one that follow quickly after that. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, we're just seeing the market at the moment and seeing which one we think is a better fit for uh, the market um, or to release first. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you they're really different, um, not in shape, but in terms of play style from the current paddles we have um, in our lineup right now. Um, and as we get closer to launching, we'll definitely share some more okay. information on them. Um, <laughs> one of them is public is, is that we've been working on a raw carbon fiber version of the ballista. Mm. Um, one of the things that we're doing as well um, is to lower the swing weight even further and uh, while um, in dialing up the power. Uh, gotcha. A lot of the players, again, want to, you know, uh, see more power, especially in thermoform paddles. The Gladys or the Ballista is thermoformed, but we purposely dialed down the power because we wanted to um, have a paddle more oriented for uh, the net, uh, for players to generate power themselves. But the new Ballista will sort of dial up the power um, with a lower swing rate. So it, it, are you saying that it's raw carbon fiber? That's not how the current Ballista is? Yeah, it has three layers of carbon fiber, but the final layer is a granule paint and epoxy resin layer that we uh, paint on top okay. of the carbon fiber. Gotcha. And so the new one will have just the raw carbon fiber will be the the top layer. That's right. Interesting. Interesting. So where do you think, what about pros? Do you sponsor pros? Um, do you think that's a good method for getting the name, the, the word out there? What What have you experienced so far? Sure. Um, the, we do sponsor uh, local folk. And the reason behind that is uh, community growth. Um, and to be frank, from a business perspective, we don't expect returns uh, from a business perspective. Uh, the reason we do this is um, Sparta's launched from, the, from San Francisco and the community has given so much to us. And it's a personal thing to me. Yeah. And I really want to give back to the community. And, th and one of the things I was, I think can give back is um, helping out some of the up and rising talent in the community here, especially those who are really plugged in, uh, yeah. sponsor their equipment, you know, sponsor their tournaments, things like that. Um, you know, when we launched, um, and especially more recently, you mentioned, you know, sort of the marketing, there's a few pickleball groups in San Francisco who have suddenly uh, started backing Spartus. Um, this, you know, we just feel fortunate because we never, like for example, Golden Gate Pickleball, that's a big group. We never reached out to them, but suddenly they started, you know, pushing Spartus for us. Um, yeah. And these are the things that we feel thankful for and want to do our part in giving back to the community to see it grow in the Bay Area. You know, I see Spartus paddles every, you know, basically every time I go out. So, so great. yeah, um, here. So, you know, I just want to, you know, do my part and seeing what I can do back for, you know, the players here. Yeah. Well, where do you think the sport's headed? Like, you know, there's been a lot of controversy with MLP. Do you, um, you know, are you, do you think it's a sport people want to watch on, you know, I don't know if when you say watch on TV, I don't even know what that means anymore. If they want to stream it, if they want to watch it live, want to watch it on YouTube, they, but they want to watch the pros playing. Um, do you think, do you, I mean, are you still feeling the pulse of just incredible energy around the growth or do you think it's kind of flattening out? I think the pulse is still growing, but that's for the player base. Um, my hot take on this, and I've been pretty consistent, and no offense to pros, I love you all, and mm -hmm. I personally love watching you guys play. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think pickleball is a spectator sport. I always thought it's a sport that people love to play themselves, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily one, especially a casual viewer that wants to watch. 
Um, and there's a few reasons. I mentioned this, I think, the last time we met um, on your podcast is um, a lot of the sports that become spectator sports, and there's a lot of money behind are very explosive sports. Um, you know, you see Formula One, yeah. soccer, American you know, American football, basketball, you know, when you see LeBron James dunking, <laughs> you know, it's a really explosive move. You can't yeah. do it. Um, it's just a feat of athleticism um, that, you know, you can only watch on TV or even better in person. Right. Um, and for, unfortunately, for a lot of money, those right, for a lot of money. That's right. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's been a lot of money being injected, relatively speaking, uh, for the pro scene, especially with the rise of MLP. Um, but even with that money being injected, I'm not sure it really translates into uh, viewability, um, you know, more views right. per se. And I'm, I'm, I am curious to see what that growth rate has been. Has it been, a, you know, the hockey stick growth that was anticipated or hoped for, or has it flattened out? Right. And it's more a logarithmic curve now, which I think it is. Um, you know, everyone has so much time to watch something, you know, whether it be a right. Netflix show or sports. And um, my friends, my, even my personal friends who play a lot of pickleball don't watch pickleball themselves. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite convinced on this um, Pickleball becoming a spectator, like a mass spectator sport, but yeah. you need to appreciate the uh, efforts being made and the fact that it's still being streamed because there are passionate players who want to learn from watching the pros and yes. there is still value to be obtained from um, streaming uh, the pro scene. I mean, I think I saw you um, at Oracle Park, you know, when we watched yeah. uh, NLD Waters play. It's unbelievable, their skill. Totally. They make it seem so easy and, and, it, and, and, you know, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's a question. I, I don't know if it's going to be like tennis where there's, you know, some big match every year, like Wimbledon, where people real, will want to come and it'll become a big event or this, the, will MLP style take off? Um, I, you know, the players are young. So a lot of them are young. Not all of them, actually. It's interesting age gap. But at some point, you know, there's going to be new players and even the new technology that you guys are talking about. I think you're kind of at the heart of it, right? As the technology improves and the wealth is of knowledge is shared, these these players might be far different and far better than what we see right now, right? Like we give them give them the right paddle and give them a lot more training and and some money, and they. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if it's going to look like LeBron dunking or not, but it might be pretty amazing to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, see how that, we'll see how it grows. But, um, but I know it's growing in terms of, you know, how many people want to play and that means the, the market's kind of wide open for you. So, so what do you hope? Well, you know what, I mean, you're an entrepreneur. Um, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. You're in San Francisco where pretty much everybody has entrepreneurial ideas all the time. And what do you hope for Spartus? What do you, you know, maybe in the short term and longer term? Sure. I mean, the overall growth uh, goal is to continue to grow. Uh, we've had big growth this year since we launched, um, and we want to keep up that pace and accelerate that. Um, you know, you know, you can only, you, everyone has dreams of their company <laughs> becoming huge. Um, so, uh, you know, that's not exclusive to me. Um, we're going to certainly try our best uh, to see how far we can get. Um, but again, the, you know, overall goal is to, like I said before, is to deliver maximum performance at maximum value. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's going to definitely come at a cost to us because uh, we don't want to sell these paddles at the same price as a lot of the companies that price them super high when they're not delivering the same right. or, you know, some kind of crazy performance. Um, the delta is zero, to be frank. So, um, 
So yeah, it's definitely to grow. Um, also, you know, um, one, one of the things I want to keep seeing is uh, the sport grow, not only for um, personal and business reasons, but also I do think um, it's extremely healthy for um, the community. Um, when I think about even my own parents who are now in their mid sixties, um, it's, you know, it hurts to see that they can't be as active as they were, you know, when I was growing up, my dad used to play tennis with me every single day for hours. Um, it's something I really valued. Um, and you know, uh, you see them at mid sixties, you know, and a lot less mobile, but they can go to the pickleball courts and, you know, stay active, get their steps in, uh, make sure that their cardiovascular system is still, you know, uh, taken care of. Um, yes. and you see that, you know, I lo- that's why I love to play with the old, older folk, uh, yeah. when I go out there in the daytime, because when I see them, I know a lot of people like to make, you know, jokes about all oh, it was an old sport, but you know, what I see is that it's, it's really increasing the health of everybody. Yes. Um, it's such a, it's one of those sports that makes people want to go outside yes. and makes people want to move around. It's uh, how many, how many times have you seen this in our life lifespans? I don't think I can think of a single time where I you know. see this kind of phenomenon. I feel oh. like it's the, it's going from, it's like there were, there's so many more ways to sit on the couch and do nothing, right? There's a million programs you could watch. There's a million video games you can play. <laughs> there's books on, you know, you can listen to a book. You can, like, there's so many reasons to not move. And this is like, and be isolated, right? So you can sit on your couch by yourself and do nothing, or you can go out to the pickleball court. And I think, I agree. It's and people stay for hours. Like time passes, and they're like, "I got to get home. I haven't eaten in four hours or something." So yeah. I, I, I do think that not that that's necessarily healthy, but it is healthy that they're sort of away from screens, um, around other people. And yeah, I, I can't say that enough. And I, I don't. I would love to travel around and see this in other areas. The places that I have traveled immediately it's exactly the same. I went to New York. I went down to Southern California. I went to Hawaii. I I was like, wow, this feels exactly the same no matter where I go. (laughs) Like everyone's excited to play and all different ages and and stages. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right. And I I think for, to be able to play something with your parents, um, I think I've mentioned this on an episode, I would never play a sport against like a 27 year old you know, six foot, whatever guy in shape. There's no sport I would think I could play against him. I, I just wouldn't want to do it. I'd be like, that's all right. Um, <laughs> maybe swimming. Cause I might, they, maybe they don't know how to swim, but uh, I feel like at the pickleball courts, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you can speak English, like people just start the game and they're ready to go. Right. Yeah. And I, I love seeing you on the challenger court, you know, <laughs> I love to see things like, you know, everyone, you know, playing competitively. It's so great to see that. Yeah, I agree. So, well, that's good. So, I mean, so you said that, you know, before we end, I, I you said you have big visions. What are there other products you want to come out with? Like maybe you're designing other products um, besides paddles and, you know, what are the other things that sort of need to be, it, from a business stance, what, what other things need to be brought to the market? Yeah. Um, so we do have other stuff, um, you know, in the pipeline, uh, equipment bags. Um, there's two bag models that we have samples of built out. Um, right now we're just distributing them to our sponsored athletes, mm-hmm. um, and some of the bigger ambassadors for us, um, apparel, this one's been in the works for months. Um, 
you know, designing apparel is a lot harder than <laughs> a lot harder than you think it is, especially, you know, to get the placement um, correct and the materials correct. Yeah. You know, like people don't want to play in 100 percent cotton, um, even though that's what they prefer wearing, like on a casual basis, um, right. more sort of like the sweat resistant material, things like that. So we do have apparel. I think I mentioned last time we've been giving them out for free um, until yeah. we get hit one that we think um, we can put on them, you know, on sale on our website. Yeah. Uh, so those are upcoming. Um, they, I do have to say that they do take a backseat to uh, paddles. That's our, you know, that's the core of our business right now. Yeah. Um, so once, you know, you see less movement there, um, we'll put a little more emphasis on sort of the auxiliary items mm-hmm. and products. Um, but for now, most of the focus is on paddles. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's exciting. Like I said, there's a lot of change happening with paddles and people need to replace their paddles pretty often. So that market just should keep in improving. And you can find those on your website. Uh, what's your website? Uh, I'll put it on the show notes and everything, but I want to make sure yes. that... Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's gospartist.com. Ghostspartist.com. Well, I, Josh, I have to tell you, like, I'm, I'm, I love your paddles. I, it's super exciting. You know, again, we're, we're local, so I get to see it firsthand and I get to see you. But for those people that are around the country, I think, you know, if you could, if you could tell them why you think they should try your paddles out versus others, what would you say to them? Like, why, why would they pick Spartus over others? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but just sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually feel pressure. So thanks for the question. Um, you know, I want to make a push for the newest paddle we have, which is a Gladius Centurion. We just released this. It's the red one here. Um, and, you know, we talked about this a little um, during this, this podcast so far, but I think this is the best value you can get for your dollar in the market today. Um, if you're thinking about, you know, the dollar to value ratio, this has the highest, you get all the power you need. You get tons of spin, massive control. And this is only $90 when you use simple pickleballs. So, you know, you can buy multiple of these for the same price as, you know, CRBN one X or a Perseus and you get a very similar play profile and you get it from a company that did all the R and D in house. Um, one of the reasons we did that is, um, we think long-term, you know, we save, um, costs as well, even though upfront it required more capital. Um, so we just want to create a win-win situation for us and the customers. Um, and we want the customers to win massively and, um, not only, um, for their dollar, but also on the courts. So check out the Gladius Centurion. Uh, It's only $90 to you and, um, it's, it's, massive value. Yes. Awesome. I, I mean, I can't wait to try it out, but I, I, that's, I, that's a good push for that. And honestly, I think part of the reason we have had more listeners and, and, and hopefully we'll continue to have more listeners and everyone will subscribe is that uh, getting some personal information on the, on the, who's making the paddles and how you construct them and how did you design them and how are you manufacturing? Because it is confusing. You know, there, there's very few forums to really understand the difference between the paddles. But I think when, uh, consumers start to understand materials, uh, you know, the swing rate. Um, you brought up the issue of uh, pickleball elbow or tennis elbow. And uh, what I learned about that was that some of that has to do with how hard someone's trying to move the paddle and that strain puts strain on their arm. Whereas if the paddle has a good swing rate, it can relieve that so you don't you don't have to try that hard. You have to you don't have to swing that hard to get incredible power. Um, so I think you're you're tackling all the right subjects with with all your paddles. 
Yeah, certainly hope so. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, thank you. Hopefully you get back to the courts. Uh, I wish you all the luck um, and keep us posted. Everybody subscribe so they can hear when Josh comes out with his next paddles. Um, I'm really excited to try the newest one, the Centurion. So thanks, Josh. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Simply Pickleball. We'll be back very soon with great interviews, discussions, and more all about pickleball. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or any of your favorite podcasting outlets. Until next time, happy dinking.